I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Others lock up your sons. The fangirls are busting out all over. It's Fangirl Radio. Fangirl Radio. the fangirls on jackalope radio hey everybody and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the fangirl radio show i'm your host jessica dwyer and with me tonight joining us for his fourth time is my special co-host mr troy dwyer and thank you for having me yet again and thank you for joining us um tonight's episode is very special um this is what i have dubbed the bobcat episode and yes that means mr bobcat coldthwaite is joining us as our special interview for the week that's going to be great. Uh, he is very, very awesome, and it is for his new film that he actually uh, funded and produced and directed um, called Willow Creek. And Willow Creek is uh, going to be of interest to a lot of the uh, Jackalope listeners out there um, that are interested in the paranormal and the supernatural because the focus of the film even though it is a, a fiction story is uh, a lot of the history of Bigfoot. Oh, and and where is this taking? And you said it's in Willow Creek. That's actually the place it's located? Correct. It actually takes place in Willow Creek, California. Um, they went there and, and filmed for a week. And uh, the, the title is Willow Creek as well. And it is a found footage documentary uh, fiction film. And, uh, yeah, and it's really, really interesting. I'll go into more detail before the interview. But uh, I think it's going to be something that a lot of you out there will want to see. And you'll definitely enjoy it. And Bobcat is as interesting and witty as you can imagine. <laughs> I bet. I had to jack myself up on a lot of coffee before that interview to be prepared. Just because <laughs> I wanted to be on my A game for this. And I think I was. But still, it's kind of hard to keep up with him. Well, I haven't heard the interview, so I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's 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 definitely entertaining, and there's a few things that we talk about that have nothing to do with the Willow Creek. That <laughs> will, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, but moving on to the week in geek, because this is a uh, a lot of stuff happened this week that is very geeky, and we need to cover it because it's awesome stuff too. Um, the first thing off uh, is the the it's kind of a. a maybe list for who is up for the role of Batman in the new Superman and Batman movie that was announced at San Diego Comic-Con recently. And uh, the list includes, and none of these are guaranteed names, but these are the, the f- supposed front runners for the role of Bruce Wayne. Um, Ryan Gosling, James Brolin, I'm sorry, Josh Brolin. God, his dad would have made a great <laughs> his, his dad would be, Batman. Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> um, a little too old now, but Interestingly enough, uh, Josh Brolin, Matthew Good, who you may know from Watchmen as Ozymandias and as well as the awesome, very much you need to see Stoker. Oh, um, 
That's an interesting choice. Yeah, you don't think that guy when you think of Batman, but um, also on this list, uh, you might know him as Thorne Oakenshield or as uh, Guy of Gisborne from the BBC Robin Hood, Richard Armitage. He's actually much taller than you think of him in, in Hobbit. And also on this is the, 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 the dark horse, I think, is Joe Mangiliano, and I'm hoping I say his last name correctly, um, who plays Alcide in True Blood, uh, is also on this list. Now, um, How did he get on that list? I, I think it's the voice. I think they're trying to find somebody that can at least, I don't know, I think Christian uh, Bale ate some rocks before he would get in that suit to get that (laughs) i'm batman i i i I don't know um but joe's got definitely a deep voice he's also built and and intense but he doesn't scream bruce wayne to me probably looking uh to set up his next acting gig after true blood gets canceled well it won't be canceled anytime soon because for whatever reason they got another season oh that's depressing We're not talking about True Blood this episode. Anyway, about the list. Yes, don't get me off track. we got to stay on track here. <laughs> don't make me start on that. Um, so anyway, this is the list. Um, really quickly going through it. I don't see Ryan Gosling getting this. I just don't see him as Bruce Wayne. Plus, he's also on the list for Star Wars, and I think he would be better served in that role. Yeah, he seems a little bit, a little bit young for the... Now, if I remember correctly, they were saying they wanted to go with a 40s-something Batman, right? Right, and Gosling is the youngest one, I think, on this list. So I I don't see that happening. Out of all of them, I would say Josh Brolin has more of the Bruce Wayne to him. But even Josh Brolin, I don't quite think is is right for this. If they're wanting to go with the uh, Batman that is in that Frank Miller comic that they quoted from at the show, which tells me that's what they're wanting to go with. And also I'd heard that they wanted an older Batman. Um, I would actually stay, say that they need to go with James Morrison, who played Bill Buchanan on 24. We'd actually talked about oh. this before. Yeah, that's a, that would be a, a good choice. Um, I remember when Bill had shown up on 24, you had just gotten me to read um, Alex Ross's Kingdom Come. And I saw Bill... It, at CTU, and I thought, wow, he actually looks a lot like that older Batman that was uh, in the comic. And and funnily enough, in the animated version of the Frank Miller um, Dark Knight Returns, that was voiced by uh, by uh, RoboCop Peter Weller, who was also in Twenty Four. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody was in Twenty Four. Everybody, I was in Twenty Four just brief, and I was a mole. Surprise. Yeah, you were yeah, a plant. Who knew? Yeah. Who knew? Because, you know, that never happened on that show. Um, but anyway, I, I, I still think James Morrison could do this. even And perfectly, he's aged as well since 24 ended. And I think he would do a really good role with this. And he's got that authoritative voice. He's got the physique. He's got, most importantly, that silver fox hair. And he just, he's fit. He's, he looks like Bruce Wayne would look if Bruce Wayne you know, existed and took care of himself and was as as athletic and badass in reality as he is in the comics. Now, now it it seemed like Josh Brolin, though, he was the front runner, right? He was the one that. And and that makes sense out of that list to me. But can he, can he do a, can he do an accent that's not a Texan accent? I mean, I think the last time I remember him sounding like he wasn't from Texas was in what the Goonies. 
but he's <laughs> you know. doing old boy and uh, I, I'll get a better vibe from that. Cause old boy, he's just a complete, he looks like a complete badass and you have to be to play that part. Yeah. But the voice, you know, that's, that's the part I wonder about. Well, I think he just sounds rough. Brolin sounds rough when he talks and, and that's great. And that's good for an older Batman. But I, if you want an older, older, like in that comic book, I think you're going to have to go up another 10 years on the age from Josh Berlin. Because I think he's what, late, he is, late in 30s? His 40s. He's in no, his he, 40s? I think he's is in he, his 40s. I don't know. Is, is he that old? Oh, wow. God, I, I feel old someone now. Out, oh. Someone out there knows. <laughs> Man, the Goonies was really that long ago. Yeah, it was. We're old. Oh, but uh, as for Matthew Good. I have to say that I would think that he would do better as a Mr. Freeze. <laughs> Not from Batman and Robin. No, God, no. I, uh, Matthew Good would just look at you and, and just scoff and walk away if you told him to say some of those lines. Uh, but I would say a Mr. Freeze a la Batman the Animated Series, um, which, rest in peace, the late, great Michael Ansara, um, who just passed away um, at the end of July... He created a very amazing Mr. Freeze with that role and, and just as a voice actor created a great character. And I think Matthew Good actually kind of fits that look and he also has a great voice. Um, and you need that as Mr. Freeze. And you can actually understand him when he talks unlike Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> or Who, Mar- I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, or Marshall Batman, which... I think we will get if we get James. I'm sorry, Josh. See, I said James Brolin too. See, see, it's well, they kind of look like they're clones, a little. Yeah, they're genetic, if, genetic clones. I wonder if that gets confusing for Barbara Streisand. Are they still married? Oh, that's. <laughs> there's a lot Awkward. of there's a lot of not right in but <laughs> everything you just said. I yeah, I, maybe we should move on to something else that's sort of not right. Not. But okay. Um, just announced this week, uh, Bruce Willis is out of Expendables 3, possibly because someone went on his lawn and he wants to yell at them to get them off of it. Oh, what is up? Is he just cranky now? I don't know what happened. I don't know. A- angry bald man. Or maybe he's watching a lot of Breaking Bad and he's, he's trying to channel. He's trying to be Heisenberg. Yeah. That could be it. Although Brian Cranston's so nice. Hey, I- Brian Cranston for Batman. He's already played the, um, he was Commissioner Gordon in uh, the previous Batman animated movies. And he was in Drive, too, so he could have that. Look how we've, we've, yeah, we've kind of went full circle. How did we do that? It's creepy. It's six degrees of Heisenberg. God, we even connected 24. Well, it's just, everyone's in 24. That's Every, everything really. It's, it's the Batman. Kevin Bacon of TV shows. Everything's Batman. I am Batman. Uh, no, I'm not. But that would be cool. Uh, but even with Bruce Willis leaving Expendables 3, we have uh, another old badass coming in for him, tagging in. Harrison Ford. <laughs> Who's also just looking for work, I think, at this point. What's up with He's that? He's actually talking about another Indiana Jones. Oh, my. Is he going think- to get Shia LaBeouf to do it? Oh God! Don't Actual make, don't buff. don't remind me about the monkeys. <laughs> don't. That's not allowed. I like how people said that the that the the monkey scene. That's the scene that did it. You know, that was the scene that not the not the not 
the refrigerator. Yeah, the not monkeys. the refrigerator. The monkeys. Yeah, they kind of did it for me, too. Yeah. Yeah. Not the cool monkeys, either. You know, you didn't have Davy Jones and those guys swinging with him. That would have been awesome. <laughs> no, it was CG monkeys. They couldn't even get real monkeys to do it. Because they real monkeys have scruples. They had to fake the monkeys. Probably expensive. <laughs> scrupulous monkeys even the monkeys wouldn't have done it they had to fake them so um also with harrison ford being added which he probably knows how badly ender's game is gonna bomb i'm guessing but do you realize that's coming out and we've barely heard a lot even boo about it now well it'll i think we'll hear more about it when it gets closer to release but you know what 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 did they benefit by talking about it two months ago all that came up was you know, all the controversy. Right. People are going to, to boycott it anyway. So we'll see. I mean, it, you have a trailer that basically tells you everything you need to know about. It's like a Cliff's Notes version of the book. It, it shows you the ending. And, and it sh- well, that's a spoiler. Sorry. Shows you the ending. Yeah. The, <laughs> the ending is we will die alone. <laughs> yeah. As will apparently Orson Scott Card. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I said that. Um, also, we found, but another one we found out that really wasn't a surprise, but uh, Tom Hiddleston confirmed he is not in Avengers Age of Ultron. Because I think that's good news. I think that is good news, too. And even his point was, how much more can I get away with in an Avengers movie? They already gave me so many good lines and so many awesome things to do. And plus, he's got the Thor franchise, which I think is kind of a given. If he's not in the Thor movies, people will be pissed. And I also think that the same people that would complain about him not being in the movie would be the same people who would complain about, oh, you know, he went back to Loki again. There's nothing original in the new Avengers movie. You know, you can't satisfy everyone. But I, I think from a fan who enjoys watching the movies, I'd rather be surprised by having a new character show up or or a new situation show up that that would be fun to see rather than just keep tapping the same well over and over again. Right. And, and you don't want to overuse the character, even though we absolutely, I'm team Loki. I love Loki. I think he's amazing. And all the work that went into him, not only did he confirm that he was not going to be in that, but he also talked about on the press rounds he was doing for um, the hollow crown, which starts very soon on, um, I believe BBC America or PBS, PBS is having it, which is amazing. And you need to see it. You have to watch the hollow crown. Uh, he is amazing in that as Prince Hal and uh, Jeremy Irons, as well as his, as is in it as his father. And it just epic, epic, epic trilogy. Um, he was talking about how much work that he and Kenneth Branagh, who is no stranger to Shakespeare, uh, put into the character and how he referenced all of these Shakespearean roles to create Loki. So with all of that work in there, you don't want to ruin it by oversaturating him throughout every Marvel film. I agree. So uh, I, I really, really love that character. And I think we're going to get a lot of good Loki in uh, Thor, the dark world. I think that's going to be great. And I think that with that franchise, he can show up in that every time we get a Thor flick and we'll have plenty of Loki. Plus, if you want more Loki, trust me, there are plenty of fanfics out there for you (laughs) to feed that need. And how do you know this? 
I will not comment. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. And if you really want to get weird, go to DeviantArt and look up Loki, Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> and take a gander at some of the the fan uh, art out there. Yeah. Let's just say they take advantage of the fact that Loki and Thor aren't actually blood relatives. <laughs> I have no words. Yeah, neither did I. Um, I just kind of sat there with my mouth being open going, what? Yeah, that's pretty much it. That was that, was that day. Moving on to Mission Impossible 5. And it has a director now, which is uh, Chris McQuarrie, who wrote The Tourist, which I loved and a lot of people didn't. Uh, the Val- he wrote Valkyrie, which also starred Tom Cruise. He wrote The Usual Suspects. And he also wrote Jack the Giant Slayer and Edge of Tomorrow. Now, Jack the Giant Slayer didn't get a lot of good press, uh, but it was a fun flick. I enjoyed it. I especially enjoyed Ian... Um, Oh, wow. I just blanked on his name. I do that all the time. My brain's shutting down. You mean Ewan, Ewan, Ewan McGregor. Ewan, oh. <laughs> Ewan McGregor. Where did I, I? I blame Red Letter Media. Oh, Ewan McDonald. Ewan McDonald. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but anyway, Jack the Giant Slayer was a fun movie. Edge of Tomorrow is the new flick with Cruz in it where he looks like uh, he walked off the set of Halo the movie. And the usual suspects, everyone knows this film. Now, what, what is the Edge of Tomorrow about? I'm not sure. I it, I I know it's. I I don't know a lot about it. Um, they did. Ha- he actually showed up to Comic Con to promote it, but I of course was trapped in the Hilton of Doom, uh, covering all the press events, so I couldn't see any of the footage. Uh, but it looks like another sci-fi epic for him, coming off of Oblivion, and it looks actually really really neat. There, he's wearing a lot of armor. Like I said, he looks like he walked off of Halo in hmm. that film. Uh, so he also directed Jack Reacher, another cruise flick, and he also directed The Way of the Gun, which had um, Ryan Philip and I almost said Gosling because I still have Baby Goose <laughs> on the brain. Ryan Philip and um, Benicio del Toro. Ben- Benicio del Toro, which I actually enjoyed that movie. I, I really ha- I really liked it, and you saw Jack Reacher and said it was really good. Uh, yeah, it was not it wasn't bad. I think he did a a very decent job putting that movie together. So I, knowing that, I think, uh, in my opinion, I think he'll probably do pretty well with Mission Impossible Five. I still like the fact that Brad Bird did Mission Impossible Four, and it was his first live action movie, and he just kicked butt with it. I, I really enjoyed that flick. It probably didn't hurt that just about everybody in the movie was comfortable doing the movie together and had fun, you know, yeah. and, and like you were making fun of me, but I said that Jeremy Renner remind, it made me think of a really badass dork. I, I thought that <laughs> I, 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 that's, that's what he acted like to me. And you were like, but he was racked with guilt. And I'm like, yeah. He, didn't he have like a tragic story? <laughs> <laughs> you're like, Oh, that's our lovable dork. That's our lovable dork. <laughs> I, sorry, Hawkeye. I can't help that. But Simon Pegg, of course, was great in it, and and I, we didn't we we I love how in every Mission Impossible movie now, some well known actor. It's sort of like the new Scream franchise. I just thought about this the other day. It's like the new Scream franchise. Some well known actor has to die in it in the first like ten or fifteen minutes of the movie. This one we had Josh Holloway, who's then, only who's only well known because of Lost. 
Right, but not he's got a new TV series this well, year. Well, now. Now, but he was well-known because of Lost. And then um, previously, I'm trying to think who died in four. Uh, you mean three? Well, oh, that's right. Three. That's why I got confused. Three wasn't it Felicity with that really nasty brain bomb? Or was that two? No, no, that was three, but... Um... Remember that? I, I remember. The I'm most to... disturbing death ever was Felicity and the Brain Bomb. Well, didn't the beginning of that movie start out with, where's the rabbit's foot? He's like, it's in Paris. It's not in Paris. And, then... <laughs> <laughs> and, and that went on for a while. And then he, sh- he shoots who he thinks is his, spoiler alert, he shoots oh. who he thinks is his wife. That's like the very beginning, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, That I think it was too then with Felicity. I keep calling her Felicity. But it actually wasn't his wife in the under the bag, so technically it wasn't Felicity. Right. I And I'm not even sure if it was if that's correct anyway. And I'm sorry I'm sorry Carrie Russell. I keep calling you Felicity, but that's what everybody calls you. Actually, I'm pretty sure it wasn't Carrie Russell. No, but Carrie Russell did die that horrible brain bomb death. Why did I remember this? Well, he's holding her and he's talking and and then you hear this pop and then her eye does that thing where it like floats to the side. That was the third movie. That that happened, yeah. That was the third flick. Okay, then then it's that, like that now that happened, it, and it was Felicity. <laughs> yeah, it was Carrie Russell. So yeah, now there become these films where the 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 uh, a well known actor has to die in the first fifteen minutes. <laughs> wow, how did I forget that? I don't know. That stuck with me though, because that was just damn disturbing. Yeah, that, was, that was messed up. That was that was outland level messed up. Well, the thing is that you know we've kind of veered off track into horrible deaths in film. Uh, but Chris, I hope this doesn't bode well for you, Chris McQuarrie. I hope that doesn't talk to how this is going to go for you. Um, anyway, Chris McQuarrie will be directing Mission Impossible Five when it is released, and uh, I think it'll probably end up being a 2015 release. That's what I'm thinking. Um, but the big big news this week. In the land of geekdom, we have a new doctor. You need some new doctor music. <laughs> that That's my lame-ass Doctor Who theme. <laughs> so we're ready. Who is it? I don't watch Doctor Who, so who is it? Uh, the new Who <clears throat> is actor Peter Capaldi. And what's so funny about this, um, for the longest time, they actually... Doctor Who is... is big around the world now but it's really really big in the UK and they actually have a betting pool on who's going to be the doctor and Peter Capaldi actually was number one on this betting pool up till like two days before the announcement and then these two random newbies went on there and actually took one and two but it turned out Peter Capaldi was in fact the the front runner and that explains now why uh Craig Ferguson, who is a well-known Doctor Who fan, was actually the moderator at the San Diego Comic-Con panel for Doctor Who because they're both super good friends and were in a punk band together growing up. Oh, so that was probably some inside baseball that no one I'm caught. guessing, yeah, yeah, I'm sure it was. So uh, also, Peter Capaldi is no stranger to Doctor Who. He is a huge Who fan and even had, uh, as they showed on the the reveal, wrote into the Radio Times a, a fan letter about Doctor Who when he was 15. So he's he's not only is he Scottish, not only is he a fan, he is now playing the Doctor. So yes, he is David Tennant 
hmm. which, which I find an awesome. older an older David Tennant. He is in uh yeah he's he's fifty five years old, and there is a big point of contention about this now because you have all these. New, I actually wrote a piece about this, uh, the announcement and and a lot of the the fallout and the good things from it uh, on FangirlMag.com, and to kind of give you the condensed version of that. There is a lot of fallback or fallout. I'm sorry on this announcement because you have a lot of new Who fans who have only been with the show since, say, David Tennant, maybe a little bit of Eccleston, who are under the impression that the Doctor can only be a 20-something or a (laughs) 30-something. Well, you know, I don't watch the show at all, but I'm pretty familiar with most of the Doctors, and I'm pretty sure there's only one of them that's a 20-something. Exactly. And the thing is, they're like... You know, the doctor's not all has only just recently become kind of a sex symbol in any shape or form. Even though, if you're a girl like me and my sister and a lot of other ladies of our ilk, we always thought that the guys that played the doctor were hotties. And and yeah, they don't the conventional kind, but we like them. We love them. They are the doctor, right? But they are from the UK, so they only have sex on Saturday. Exactly. <laughs> Coming for the weekend. So. <laughs> That's right. Thank you, Billy Connolly, for that, that piece of trivia. Uh, so the thing is, I went back and I listed every doctor other than Peter Cushing and the many that showed up with Rowan Atkinson in that um, comedy thing, which is great. But <laughs> That was pretty good. Not canon. Uh, so <laughs> anyway... Moving on with that. Uh, I listed off all the doctors, and then I listed their ages. And I did a um, the average. It, what was it? 40. Yeah, that, that makes sense. The average age of the doctor, or the actor that plays the doctor, is 40 years old. The youngest was 27, and that was Matt Smith. The now, oldest... Hold, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm, how old was uh, David Tennant when he did it? David Tennant, and let me double check, but I believe that he wasn't, he was in his mid to late 30s when he died. I think he was 37. Uh, Let me check and I'll verify that age for you. But I believe he was 37. Now, the funny thing about Peter Capaldi is he's the same age as William Hartnell, who took the role on uh, first. But William Hartnell, a lot of people thought he was older than that. But William Hartnell, as I found out in uh, during interviews with uh, Stephen Moffat and Mark Gaddis, loved playing older roles, which is very odd for an actor. But he liked playing older than his own age. So do you think that um, this new doctor is going to play a doctor older than he is? Or do you think they might try to make him a little younger than he is? No, what I, I think is going to happen, and this is my hope, and, I'm, you know, this is – yeah, and – uh, yes, I, oh, I'm sorry. David Tennant was 34, and Paul McGann was 37 when he took on the uh, the movie. Uh, but I think what is going to happen with this doctor, and this is what I hope, and kind of another little condensing of what I'd written, I think that with the 11th doctor, they wanted to, the, the character needed to have a rebirth of himself because of how dark everything went with 10. Uh, everything in 10's life that whole arc was about loss. He lost everything, including who he was. He, he, he realized I've gone too far this time. So I think what we had, the reason 
and at least in my head, and I don't know if there was this much thought put into the show, I hope so, this is what I took from it, was that the 11th Doctor, the reason he was so young was because he needed the cleansing of youth, and he found a belief uh, within Amy and Rory to in him again. Someone believed in him uh, and gave, you know, showed him that, yes, you are needed in the universe, and you you still are a good man. And he found that also in River Song, who gave him the love and, and just complete unconditional love and, and, and would do anything for him, even die. So, and she did a couple of times. So I think that's what we got from 11. And now with 12 coming along, I think the doctor has come into his own again and he has gotten back to his true self. So what I think you're going to get from 12 and just from what I know about Peter Capaldi and how strong he is, if you see that, oh my God, if you have Hulu Plus, you really should watch the thick of it because I am hooked on this show. It is amazing. But he's a, just a strong, you can see in him that classic doctor even on the just the couple of minutes that he was on stage when he came out and he did that he did a complete patrick troughton holding his jacket and doing his thumbs up there at the top of the the thing and just standing there like that you know this guy knows his classic who and he's already trying to find the doctor in himself and he hasn't even filmed anything yet so i think that's what we're going to get from him we're going to get a very gravitas doctor who is uh, sure of himself, knows who he is in the universe, and knows you, you do not give him any guff and don't mess with him. Now there's... They can only have 12 doctors, right? So is is this the last one? No. <laughs> <laughs> Go they, on. They, they brushed that away with a wave of their hand oh. um, with one line of dialogue in the series. So, um, yeah, you're not going to get any I that that is a and and they kind of have a, a legitimate reason for it because he yeah, is the last money. of the time. Well, not just money, but he is the last of the time lords. So I always thought that there was a way that you know the power that is given to them has a finite amount, and now there's no reason for there to be a finite amount if he's the only one using it to make mm. these regenerations. I don't know. It kind of sounds like the Fight Club of Doctor Who, you know. Who will go on as long as it has to? <laughs> what is the first rule of Doctor Who? <laughs> <laughs> you don't cast 50-somethings. I don't know. Yeah, apparently, to a lot of people, that's the case. Well, you know what? Read your history. <laughs> you think you're a fan? You think you're a fan? Prove it to me. Know the show. Learn about it and love it. Don't but, just love the last two years. But does this alienate that? You know, I, I always assume that they got math. Smith, you know, to do this because they wanted to appeal to the a younger market, you know, people who hadn't been, even I hadn't really watched a lot of Doctor Who. So are they um, alienating that now by I, just... I, You know, we won't... If that's the only reason you're tuning in is because, oh, look, it's a young, good-looking man with a big chin. I don't... That's like half the shows on TV. I don't think that then you're a real Who fan. If that's the only reason that you're do- tuning in is this young, good-looking guy, you're missing the point. Right, but I understand, and, what, you're, I understand what you're saying. And I, I truly think that there's a big enough fan base now that that gets the show, and it's so big now. You can't escape Doctor Who. It's everywhere. Uh, I think that 
you're you're just going to it's it's everywhere. I don't think it's going to be hurt from these people that this, you're not really a fan then, and you're not we're not really losing anybody if this this casting somehow throws you. When Christopher Eccleston was, uh, he was forty one years old when he took it on. Yeah, but he he came across to me as more of the you know the new James Bond type. You know, the more rugged doctor. You know, not the pretty boy. I don't know. I I think that we're fine with, you know, if that's the reason you tune in and if we lose viewers because of this, then they never really got the show in the first place. And they were they were fair weather fans. Well, that that may very well be the case. And, you know, I think we'll be fine. I think the show will go on because God knows there's enough kids out there that love it too. So, yeah. That's how I feel. I'm I am a hundred percent behind behind Peter Capaldi. Is this? I can't wait to see what he does with it. Uh, I I fell in love with that guy back when he did Lair the White Worm way back in the 1980s. <laughs> oh wow, that was a long time ago. And um, I realized who it was because I hadn't seen really anything with him in it other than uh, Dangerous Liaisons, where he played John Malkovich's evil butler that helped him out. I remember that. That was him. Uh, so. I I hadn't really seen him in anything, and everybody's telling me the thick of it, the thick of it. You got to watch this, and and I finally just main like bulldozed through like the entire series, and oh my god, I I love this man. <laughs> it, <laughs> it is awesome. Um, but also just a heads up if you um want to catch some more stuff with Peter Capaldi, everybody has realized that he was also in an, a David Tennant episode, uh, The Fires of Pompeii. Um, but he's also going to be in Maleficent opposite Angelina Jolie and Charlotte Copley uh, next year. Uh, he's also playing Cardinal Richelieu in the Three Musketeers redo that is um, filming right now that's going to be on the BBC. Uh, another Three Musketeers? Yes. They're, they're going through Sinbad. They're doing Sinbad. They're doing Three Musketeers. You know, they're doing all the classics all over again. Um, but also what I find interesting, and I need to go back and rewatch now because I've realized this. Uh, I have it somewhere in my house. Uh, in the Neverwhere miniseries, he played the angel Islington, who um, was recently redone um, as an audio drama with Benedict Cumberbatch playing that role. That's interesting. <laughs> yes. Well, I guess the, the, the stipulation for to be Islington is you have to be very tall, very thin, and very pale with great hair. That, <laughs> I think that's, that's how you become an angel in, in uh, Neil Gaiman's world. Be very tall, very, very have a very interesting voice, very pale, and have great hair. Um, so, yeah, I, Peter Capaldi. I'm all for it. I think it's going to be awesome. I can't wait. Uh, so, moving on to our interview for tonight, Mr. Bobcat Goldthwaite. I am Heffler. Oh, God. <laughs> the wonders of the movie, Burglar. Oh, that's the worst Bobcat impression. I, I love your Bobcat impression. It makes me laugh, but it's terrible. Someday on this show, I will make you do your Gene Stapleton. <laughs> no. It may make yours bleed, but he can do a damn good. She's, she's gone now. We can't do her. Oh, 
Huh. But, but Heffler lives forever. Heffler lives <laughs> <laughs> forever. Um, but yes, Bobcat Goldthwaite is joining us tonight. And um, Willow Creek uh, is a found footage documentary t- style film that follows two, uh, I believe they're husband and wife, into Willow Creek, California. And what's interesting about this, besides the fact, as I said, uh, they filmed this in a week on location in the woods. Um, there was quite a bit of improvisation during it. Uh, Bobcat actually f- fully funded the film himself. But what was interesting was the fact that uh, in the uh, during the filming, they did not tell the locals who they interviewed about the Bigfoot phenomena until after the fact that it was for a fictional movie. So all of the... Um, all of the responses from the locals are completely genuine. So I think that's really interesting. I didn't realize that it was, uh, there was this huge Bigfoot phenomena down there. I thought that was more of a Northwest type thing. I, and you would think so, but apparently um, when once you see, like the, if you go see the trailer, there's just Bigfoot emporiums and gift shops and things there because it is a heavily wooded area and it's actually quite creepy. And uh, the comparison to this, uh, I think they're calling it the, the, the Blair Sasquatch Project, that kind of thing. And, and That's great. Uh, there's another one during the interview he mentions. It's really a funny uh, term for it, too. But um, this interview is, is awesome. I, I really had a great time interviewing Bobcat. And we uh, talk about bologna sandwiches and choking to death on them. And I, I kind of blew his mind with the mention of a movie called Night of the Demon, where Bigfoot just basically rips a guy's penis off. <laughs> Are you serious? Yes. Yes, I am. And he hadn't seen this movie, nor did he. He'd never heard of it either. And I kind of made him. I I made Bobcat Goldthwait speechless for a little bit. You made your husband speechless. Wait till you see the shot. I'll have to show you the scene. (laughs) There's, There's Bigfoot raping scenes. There's Bigfoot penis ripping scenes it's a fun flick and for the life of me i can't tell you why it's called night of the demon when it's bigfoot <laughs> never explain that don't even think they explain it in the movie i can't believe i am also speechless as you should be but uh <laughs> as he was so with that um we'll we'll uh go into our bobcat goldthwaite interview but i wanted to thank you guys for listening i hope you enjoy this interview with bobcat and uh thank you again troy for joining me Uh, Thanks for having me again. Yes, this was fun, and um, we will see you next week where hopefully our guests will be Mark Miller and Mike Neal will be my co-host as we talk about the awesome news that Nightbreed is hitting Blu-ray. And with that, here is Bobcat Goldthwaite. Thank you for listening. So, um, everyone, I want you to welcome Bobcat Goldthwaite to Fangirl Radio. We are very happy to have him with us tonight to talk about his new film, Willow Creek. Well, thanks for having me on. I, uh, I I want to talk about Willow Creek, but I also want to dispel the rumor that I'm dead. <laughs> how did how did you possibly die? How what is the rumor that you are dead? Um, I actually finished the other half of uh, Mama Cass's sandwich. <laughs> oh man, that that oh geez, so death by baloney is that what it was? Yeah, death by baloney. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds way, way too sexy. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I'm, and you're speaking about a dead mama cast. That that's real sexy too. I just that that's a yeah. that's a turn on for so many people. I've been <laughs> kid. <laughs> <laughs>
I know it's kind of mean, but at this, I think it was vomit. I know that was the big trend at the time was a lot of these guys went down on their own vomit. Which, if you had the choice, I would rather be known as someone who chose to death on a sandwich. <laughs> exactly. Between uh, pre-digested food or digested food, it's it's a pretty big toss-up on what way is the best to go. Yeah. I think, um, <laughs> I think this is going really well. <laughs> Well, let, let, I, I think we should probably uh, probably talk about the movie because we're going to dig ourselves in a hole and we'll probably get lynched at some point. <laughs> yeah, no, it's okay. Um, so, um, how did Al Jolson die? No, I don't know. <laughs> oh, God. Was there a trumpet involved? No, wait. I can't. Oh, I'm, I think no, so I, uh, you know, Willow Creek is a, a found footage movie, the much dreaded found footage, but uh, I, I boldly made one anyway. Well, and the first question I had for you is, why Bigfoot? It's such a, uh, a random subject, it seems, for something like this, but at the same time, it's kind of brilliant because of it being a found footage movie and where it takes place. Well, thanks. Um, yeah, you know, the Paris and Gimlin footage, which is that famous footage of Bigfoot walking through the woods and then she looks behind her, um, is, is, is really the first found footage movie. Um, it's just, uh, just, it's too short. <laughs> so I expanded upon it. Um, I, I, um, you know, I have a problem with found footage movies because, it, you know, it's like, I always wonder who is the creep that edited the movie, you know, that said, hey, I'm sorry your daughter got raped to death, but I think if I recut it, we really got a tremendous movie here. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, found footage, though, it, you're right. It's it's kind of that genre now that's kind of been played out, but it's kind of neat that I think you've done something really inventive with it, with it, with this movie and how you've went about it. Well, thanks. Yeah, I mean, the... The, the few things that always drive me nuts with these movies is, is why do they keep the camera on and and also why do they turn it off, you know? So the, the movie only has 67 edits in the whole film, which is, um, which is you know, a, a normal movie has about 1,200 to 1,400 edits. So, and the, and the reasons they keep it on, I, I hope, uh, are, uh, don't feel forced. You know, they always have that line in a fun footage movie. It's like, you know Dave, he's the guy who's always got his camera on. He was doing that camera on. Um, so, so I didn't do any of that. So. Well, and the thing, like, um, my, my least favorite of these found footage movies would have to be Paranormal Activity because it turned into a movie where you were watching what had just been filmed with the characters again. And that made absolutely no sense to me. It's kind of... Well, it was getting pretty pretty meta. I haven't uh, seen that one. Is, um, do they use, like, a, one of those uh, Fisher-Price baby monitors? <laughs> that's the, I think that's the third one did that. Do they use one? I think they do. I'm going to see the movie entirely on baby monitors. <laughs> no, I'm serious. It's got something to do with a kid in the crib and everything, so it's it, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, but um, about this movie, I, I like the fact that you actually interviewed the locals who believed in the in the phenomena of Bigfoot and the legend, 
but you kind of you kept the fact that it was a fictional film from them, so it was more realistic. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I think if, if you tell people that they're in a, uh, a narrative, if you said, well, I'm making a, a horror picture, but I need you to act like yourself, and I'm going to ask you some questions, you know, then they would clam up and, you know, it'd be like paging Mr. Herman, Mr. Kiwi <laughs> Herman. So I felt the, the locals were all on a need-to-know basis. You know, there was one guy who I was honest with, uh, uh, because he would have caught on anyways, um, and I'm, you know, it wasn't like a Borat movie where I was poking fun at these people, uh, but it was, uh, it was important to me that these, these characters came off, uh, uh, sincere, you know, um, you know, I've mentioned a couple of movies that did influence this movie and oddly enough, it is, uh, Paper Heart, which is, uh, a Charlene Yee, Michael Sarah movie where, where uh, Charlene is playing Charlene, but she she wants to do a documentary on love, and she really did interview people about it, and then the narrative is she falls in love during it. But um, So that kind of influenced this. And then I think Grizzly Man did a lot, too, because you know even though that's a real movie, um, this idea of someone's uh, fascination and love for a topic uh, is the thing that kills them out in the wild. Yeah, and, and that's... That's pretty. Hor- that's a pretty horrifying film, actually. I yeah. even yeah. you know how it ends. <laughs> yeah, and then there's all the the you know the the movie Slappy and the Stinkers, which was five kids, one sea lion, and no rules. <laughs> I'm not even gonna ask. Um, so. Did you find anything out while you were doing the the interviews or anything while you were making the film that kind of surprised you and made you change an idea that you had for the film while you were out there? Oh, sure. There's a lot of them. You know, um, in in fact, a lot of the things that happened in the movie were influenced by a couple of the uh, uh, Bigfoot uh, experts uh, uh, that had us. You know, they would say, well, this is a phenomenon that happens or sometimes this happens and like there's a the, the sock in the tree scene, uh, you know that was in, influenced by this guy, uh, uh, Ranger Robert Lederman, who was with us, you know, and, 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 and you know he said that that's something that happened. So, so things like that, we would I would learn and hear these stories and then reflect it into the movie. Oh, that's cool. So I know that you also um, this movie was. Uh, quite a bit improv- improvisational, like about 95 percent of it. Um, how was the challenge of doing that, and how much? I mean, did you influence any of that at all in the actors when they were um, when they were doing their scenes, like push them in a way? Or, well, you know, the actors, both of them, I've done other movies with them, uh, and it took us eleven hours to drive up to location. So, and there was like about a thirty-page outline. So, and in the outline, some of the scenes were scripted already, um, and they were scripted, which was kind of funny. They were the flubs were in the script, so it helped set the tone of how the movie was going to be. Uh, the very beginning when Bryce, uh, who plays Jim, is trying to start his movie and he keeps screwing it up, that was actually scripted. <laughs> and then um, we figured out who these people were, and then we figured out what would have to happen in the scene. So we would do like a, a, a we would paraphrase or kind of do a blocking, and then they would ad lib and stuff, and and then I would say, well, that was good. Let's do this again. And then but turn the camera off after you say this or don't forget to say this again. And um, 
that was the challenge. You know, I, I, I'm a fan of some of the movies that are, you know, like Cassavetes and, and, and actually like Joe Swanberg. You know, I'm a fan of these movies. So I wanted to see if, if I could do it in, uh, in, uh, Lynn Shelton. You know, I, I wanted to see if I could do one of those movies. And then at the same time, the other challenge was I, I wanted to see if I could make a suspenseful movie. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really admire people that can make a suspenseful scene, and 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 uh, like Tarantino, obviously, is so brilliant at it. And I, I didn't know how you did that, so so that was the goal, and, you know. And, and if the movie works for people, I, I I hope they do find it suspenseful. Well, I know a lot of people. Um, I I've seen the trailer and I've seen bar- parts of the film, but a lot of people are like comparing some of the shots in this to like a Kubrick esque kind of. Uh, you're doing some homages to other filmmakers in there, and a lot of people are comparing it to that, which is is great. Yeah, I don't. Um, yeah, I do. I do do uh, uh, homages to people. I don't know if I'm necessarily too subtle sometimes. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, but. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's a scene in the movie that people seem uh, uh, kind of uh, interested in, and that's like there's a 19-minute take uh, where there's the camera doesn't move or anything, and um, it, it seems to um, kind of scare the bejesus out of folks because <laughs> it actually feels very foreign to us. You know, we're so used to... Uh, uh, you know, everything being edited and everything, you know, I, I wanted to make a movie that kind of forced you to lean into it and try to figure out what was going on versus a movie that just spells it all out for you. Oh, that's great. And and it, it's good to not make it so easy for people that are viewing, especially something like this, because the found footage, like you said, has kind of been done and done. When you have a way of making it grab the viewer and pull them in, that's a great way to, to, to make it fresh again. And style's yeah, a way to do that. I'm certainly aware that it's going to be compared to uh, Blair Witch, but, um, uh, you know, I, I jokingly called it the Blair Squatch Project when we were making it. So it, <laughs> uh, or I like Jimmy Kimmel calls it, uh, Jimmy Kimmel calls it Scary in the Hendersons. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is pretty good. Uh, um, you know, the you, there's nothing wrong with the Blair Witch movie. Uh, uh, I, I so someone uh, compares my movie to that. That's fine with me. It's a good movie. Um, if, if you compare it to the Blair Witch knockoffs, then then I, my feelings would be hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I like Scary and the Hendersons, though. That's pretty brilliant. Um, So I have to ask you this, because one of the most infamous Bigfoot movies of all time, have you seen it, which is called Night of the Demon? No, I don't know Night of the Demon. Oh, my God. I am surprised that you have not seen Night of the Demon. Night of the Demon is a 1980s horror flick where Bigfoot basically rapes women and rips penises off of guys. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know... Now I'm rethinking this whole movie. <laughs> what, what was I doing out in the woods with the potential of my penis being ripped off? I, I, uh, it, that's a lot scarier now. Oh, it's, you know, if I, yeah. If I had the CG budget, we would have been, uh, it, it would have been, we would have found Bigfoot and you would have had a big bag full of penises. <laughs> Maybe taking them over a bonfire. Or maybe hitting people in the head with them. I think that would have been brilliant. Um, 
Yeah, I, I strongly suggest Night of the Demon just for a one night kind of event at your home. I'm confused <laughs> that uh, why isn't it the Night of the Bigfoot? Why what, what's the meaning title? Misleading. You know, that's the that's the one thing I don't understand about it. I can understand the ripping the penis off, but the title throws me. Yeah, it's a dude in a Bigfoot suit. So you're telling me they didn't get the real Bigfoot. They they didn't. Now you may have got him on that one. You may have actually gotten a real Bigfoot on film. I don't know. But why well, tried he's handled by CAA, so <laughs> it's really impossible to get in touch with him. So I have a question. Um uh well no I don't. I'm actually my mind is uh blown. This is the sound of my mind blown. I'm going to go Netflix, Night of the Demon, tonight. Oh, do it. Do it. I, I, I want to know what you think because it's hilarious. <laughs> um, so I, I, the one thing I want to ask you um, before I, um, we uh, lose you is, is there anything um, that, because your, your subject matter of your films is, is pretty dark, but yet at the same time you keep it the comedy in there and I, I love I love your work so what inspires the ideas you write and direct and if you want ever wanted to tackle something in a film that um, you haven't had a chance to tackle yet um, yes I, I want to tackle uh, Diamond Heist no um, <laughs> I, 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 I uh, yeah I, I've written a whole bunch of other screenplays and, and, and usually what mm, mm, a combination of the things is like there's always like a challenge like can I do this can I pull it off I think that's one of the first motivating factors and then the second one is is uh you know I don't intentionally make people squirm but that's just the stuff that I find entertaining you know so so comedy isn't that far uh removed for me than um than and horror and comedy are basically the you know they're they're really the same thing you know they they you know you have the misdirect and you have the you know the twist and 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 uh, I I think it's almost it really is really close to each other. Gotcha. And well, Bobcat, I want to thank you so much for uh, joining us. And and I'm not kidding. I'd love to know what you think about Night of the Demon once you see it. Well, okay, I've got my <laughs> homework to do. Well, cool. Thank you so much again for joining us, and thanks for making a pretty cool movie. This is um, everyone and I that I know is excited to see this. So, thank you again for joining Fangirl Radio. Thank you so much. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you.
Never done it like me, let it disappear Tell me what I'm 